This is episode number 144 of the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Hey everybody, welcome to Fearless Presentations. I'm Doug Standard, CEO of the Leaders Institute, and this is the podcast that helps you become a fearless and professional speaker and presenter. This is episode number 144, and this week I have a nice interview with Jacqueline Wells, who is the author of the book, The Fearless Factor at Work, and she offers a number of ideas on where, basically where fear comes from and how to deal with it. I think one of the most interesting things that comes up in the discussion is that she mentions that there are there, there's a ton of people out there, many people out in in the business world. In fact, some of them, some of you are probably listening to the the podcast right now who feel nervous or sometimes feel intimidated when you have to speak in front of a boss or some other leader because you feel like they're going to look down on you or they're going to realize that you aren't as talented as as what they want you to be. So she gives some great advice if you're in that position. So here's the interview with Jacqueline. Enjoy. Everybody, welcome to Fearless Presentations. I got a special guest, Jacqueline Wells. Um, she is a, a a coach that that helps people be fearless, I guess, is the best way to kind of describe what you do, right, Jacqueline? Because it's your your whole goal is to help people that have either held themselves back because of fear or nervousness, or they had the opportunity to do something or say something and they hesitated and you help them kind of get out of that, that boundary, right. And, and release yeah. themselves. Is that, am I, am I getting to yeah. start off on the right foot? Yeah. Well, it's, it's all about the thinking and, and the thinking leads to the behavior and the behavior leads to the limitations that you basically self-impose uh, upon yourself. So right. break the barriers. That's what I do. Yeah. So yeah. So so Jacqueline's a, she's an author. She's a coach. Um, she does all all kinds of of training and and different things like that. So tell tell the listeners, the folks that may not have kind of come across your website or or heard you speak before. What what uh, what's kind of your background and how did you get into this kind of thing and what do you do? I've been in the coaching business for the last fifteen years, and um, I am all about helping people really get a handle on what is their, their piece of fear. When are, where Because most people have fears. And so how do you identify those fears? And even for people who say they're not fearless or they're, they're, they have no fear, I'll say to them, do you ever have any anxiety? And they go, oh yeah, I had lots of anxiety. And I'll say, okay, well, you just didn't label it fear. Right. And so right now we're in this period of great uncertainty and, and people feel that their fears are kind of, you know, running out of control. Sure. So sure. my job for the last 15 years has been to work with entrepreneurs, with uh, corporate people to help them be a better version of them so they can lead better, so they can be better, so they can have better relationships, communication, you name it. It covers the whole gamut. Oh, nice. Okay. And and I'm assuming that there was some kind of, I, mean, I, I know a lot of us that kind of do what we do, you know, we, we do coaching. I mean, I didn't set out to be a coach. I didn't set out to be a, a 
I didn't even, I didn't even like speaking. You know, that was the whole reason why I kind of started, started teaching other people is I had a challenge and I overcame it. And that was, you know, it's like, Oh God, maybe I can help other people do this. Um, did something like that happen in your life where you were? Where... 100%. I mean, you know, I never would have imagined that this is where I was going to end up was doing all of this work. I mean, I was, you know, I was a singer, I was a writer, I was a martial artist. I raised my family. I traveled the globe. I had one hell of a life for, for a lot of years. And it wasn't until I was fairly late in life when I decided to step into this role because I was encouraged by people who said, you know a lot about fear. And it was mostly because I'd had my own bullshit, frankly, <laughs> to deal with. And so having to figure out how to get past all of that, I then became the expert in this is this is what it does to you, and this is how you get beyond it. So oh, great, that became a big piece. Yeah. Great. Hey, yeah. Can you give me an example? Yeah, can you give me an example of kind of something that early on where you're like, ah, man, like something maybe where you were, I don't know, being you had more potential than what you were than what you were uh, tapping into, and it was a terrifying experience when that occurred. But all of a sudden, you kind of pushed through and did it, and at the end, you're going, oh my god, I. That was actually easier than I thought. I'm assuming you've had Um, a number of things like that, right? Yeah, there's a number of things. I mean, I'm like, where do I start with that one? Um, You know, that's the big piece right there. It's like, can you really do this? Yes, you can. Um, I remember the first time that I was asked to to get up and sing in front of an audience of of 800 people. And I was like, uh, um, uh, I I don't know if I can do this. Um, And then, you know, this was Jewish high holidays. Cantor looks at me and he goes, yeah, you can. You got a pretty good voice. You can do this. <laughs> but I remember how nervous I was about standing there in front of this whole congregation on, on Rosh Hashanah, how you deliver this prayer. And the first few notes were like, eh, and yeah. then gradually I relaxed and out it came. And then you look at yourself afterwards and you go, wow, that was pretty amazing. You nice. want to do that again? <laughs> nice. Yeah. And then yeah, you I think- do. Yeah, I, I think we all have kind of moments like that where they're we they don't seem very significant when they're before they occur, and then after they occur, they go, God, that was one of those stepping stones that put me on that path to get to where I am now. And I always I always like to to kind of figure out um, not only why people are really good at what they do, but you know how did how did we get here? How did they? What was that process that went through? That's well, always, I, think I think what's interesting about that is that you know I went from that one occasion to several years later, becoming a cantor for synagogues in Paris and Amsterdam, delivering the high holiday services for five years. So it wasn't just one piece. It was like hours and hours of of this stuff, you know, and it turned into the most profound musical experiences of my life. And, you know, nothing can touch it, frankly, you know, so it's, it's exceptional. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that's awesome. So so you you you've written a, a couple of books about fear. Uh, one is um, is published. Uh, both of them are published now, but one of them is is re- has recently been released. I think right. Yeah, or, the fearless factor at work. Yeah. Right. So so tell us about tell us about the books and how what 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 was it that you know what kind of sparked your interest to say this is the topic that people really need to to kind of focus on. Yeah, I mean, I think. It started out with a coach, frankly. It was a coach who I was talking to about my life story and the fears that I had overcome and the the, the issues that I had to deal with. 
And she said, you've learned so much about fear in your lifetime. Would you consider writing about it? And I looked at that and I went, well, you know, I kind of know what I'm talking about, but I've never done anything like this before. Again, that, you know, where's that threshold of, of, you know, as I like to say to my clients, get comfortable being uncomfortable because that's how we change, you sure. know? So, um, you know, looking at that as, as a possibility and she said, you'll make a great coach. And I was like, well, I've been given advice all my life. You know, people keep coming and saying to me, you know, what do you think? In fact, I say I began it on the steps of my tenement building in Scotland at the age of nine when the other kids would come and say, what do you think? So I've had that question all my life. What do you think? And, of course, I'm always happy to give my 10 cents worth. So uh, off I went and I did a coaching program and I realized I needed to create some credibility. So out of that came the fearless factor. Mm. And uh, it became my platform. And it started out as the fearless 50s because I really wanted to address midlife women and dealing with their insecurities and lack of confidence. Uh, you know, they've raised the families, they've had jobs, blah, blah, blah. 50s is like my time. And women have a hard time claiming that as their time. Right. So Fearless 50s became the first platform. And then out of that evolved a book. And uh, the Fearless Factor came uh, about. As a friend of mine said to me, I said, I'm going to do something called the Fearless Way. She said, how boring is that? She <laughs> said, it's the Fearless Factor. That's what it is. <laughs> and so there we were. We had the Fearless Factor and it's stuck with me ever since. Yeah. So yeah. what, what, what are some of the, like the, the main kind of um, takeaways? Like when, when somebody kind of reads a book or they go through some of your coaching sessions, what's the, what, what's the, the, the main focus or the main yeah. kind of um, ideas that you're getting across the to them? The big thing about my work is I ask a lot of questions. We know this, you know, it's not about looking for the answers. It's about finding the right questions, asking powerful questions. Sure, so in sure. both books, the fearless factor and the fearless factor work, I'm asking at the end of every section, a lot of deep dive reflective questions so that it takes people into that place of, I never thought about that before. Or now that I'm thinking about it, maybe there's work to be done. And maybe I can take my life to a different level if I'm willing to get honest and transparent with myself. The biggest one that I encounter in my, my speaking and in my engagement with people is the fear of failure. The fear of failure is huge. Now, I like to say we're all failing our way to success. And if you look at your failures in life and you look at your successes in life, your success column will always be longer than your failure column. Right. But if failure is, a pos is really about having expectations not met, decisions that were not the right decisions to take, uh, you simply made a bad choice, then there's only one word to use, and that's next. Because if we use our failures as our learning experiences and we use our failures as, you know, don't want to go there again. And if you do go there again, well, shame on you because you've already learned the lesson. Um, that is a big piece for, for what I, I work with. So if I get an analytical, let me talk about, you know, get an analytical person, an engineer or, or a software person. They're all about data. They want to know where the T's are crossed and the eyes are dotted and they are absolutely adamant that they cannot fail because if they fail, the whole thing falls apart. However, what we also know is that failure is part of iterations. And if you're not iterating, how are you going to expand your knowledge base? 
How are you going to expand your products and services if you're not iterating? So you must make mistakes in order to know that didn't work. So let's take a look over here. It gives you an alternative to be able to look at it. So when I'm dealing with an analytical mindset, which tends to be, as I say, rather data-driven and very buttoned up in some ways, my job is to help them relax around this and let them know that it's okay to be able to see it in a different manner than what they're currently doing. Right. I, I, you know, I think like for, for instance, like when folks come through, you know, my, my training sessions and they, they want to get better at speaking in front of a group, you know, it's most of the time it's because they're nervous. They're self-conscious about how other people are going to see them. They're afraid that they're going to forget what they're going to say, or they're not going to look as professional as what they think they should when they're in front of the boss and, and stuff like that. How does that correspond with the overall kind of, um, mentality that people have when they're when 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 they're nervous or yeah this is a confidence factor here this is where people's lack of self-esteem is really at root here people say to me you know what's the most common fear and the, the, the underlying thing of all fear is i'm not good enough so when you have people on the platform they're afraid of rejection they're afraid of judgment they're afraid of failure they're afraid that somehow what they have to offer isn't valuable enough. They have all kinds of inner dialogue going on that is basically the chatter that stops you from really showing up authentically and delivering whatever you gotta gotta give. You know, sure. and it won't be perfect, but you might have something of value. But do you value yourself first and foremost? So the confidence factor is huge uh, sure. in this equation. Yeah. yeah, it's funny because like in 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 just the last, I would say probably two or three weeks or so, I've had folks that I've been doing either one-on-one coaching or have been in in one of my classes, and the term imposter syndrome has popped up, and that drives me nuts. It drives me nuts when people use that because to me that's a cop out. That's a cop out where they're they're saying um, they're 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 giving an excuse for them thinking less about themselves. And, and to me, I, my, my whole goal is to get them to see that, Hey, you are, you're the expert. The reason why you're giving that speech is because you know more that, about that than anybody else in the audience. Otherwise they'd be up speaking, right? You're the expert on this thing. And then when you understand that there is no imposter factor because you're the real thing, right? This is a, a big issue though. Corn Ferry, which is is a big, uh, you know, consulting company. Right. They just came out with a report where they had interviewed, you know, thousands of, of business people. Imposter syndrome is real. And it has to do with the credibility piece. It's about how credible do I see myself? Again, the confidence factor is a big piece of it. Sure. But what they found was that in a lot of senior executives, not just women, but men also, that sense of I am just waiting to be found out that I'm not really as good as they think I am. And so the imposter syndrome is that piece inside of you, which is really tied into self-esteem. You know, it's like if I can't claim, and this is a big piece for me, claim your authority, take ownership of your talents, your skills, and everything else that you've, you've created in your lifetime, because by God, we've all worked hard for it. So why not? But that underlying piece of uh, I'm faking it and somebody's going to find out that I'm really not, I don't have the goods. 
that's what's behind that. So I would, I really do challenge you on, you know, imposter syndrome does exist. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm saying that yeah. I, I'm not, by the way, I'm not arguing with you. I'm, I'm, I, I totally agree that people feel that way. What I'm yeah. saying is that, what I'm saying is that, that the only thing that makes that possible is the way that people are thinking about themselves. Totally. And, it, totally. and if they, and if they change the way that they think about themselves, all of a sudden the fear is powerless against over them. There, yeah. there is no fear anymore. It, it, yeah. And, and I always like to say that there'll always be fear because there'll always be uncertainty around certain things. Every time you approach something new, right. You know, you're always going to have that doubt about, can I do this? Can I really, you know, show up and, and be the best and blah, blah, blah. The other side that gets in people's way is the competitive spirit. You compare yourself to other people. And when you compare yourself to other people, oh, I'm not as good as her over there, or you right. over there. Um, then you're automatically putting yourself in a lesser position. Exactly. Yeah. To, again, claiming that authority, claiming that ownership of, yeah. of who you are, which is unique. Yeah. And I think, I think one of the things that, um, since we're uh, kind of talking more about success. I think that what I tend to find is that the people who tend to be the most successful, at least financially speaking, I mean, depending on how you measure success, but at least financially speaking, it, they they don't tend to be the people that have all the answers there that figured everything out. They tend to be the people that made more mistakes than anybody else. Because I know in my own career, in my own life, you know, one of the reasons why my company is bigger than a lot of my competitors is because I tried something and it didn't work. And I was like, Oh, okay, well, I know what not to do now. And I went a different direction. And I think a lot of people are, are that way. A lot of the, the more successful folks are the folks that kind of learn from the mistakes and don't let the mistakes hold them back. And do you, so do you find that, that the, one of the reasons why people kind of get to that stalled point in their, in their life and careers is because, they're afraid to make that mistake. They're afraid to learn from the mistake or, or is it something well, else? There, there's a piece of, if you're looking at success, you know, some people seem to make success happen very quickly. Hmm. And then there's a question of, can I repeat it? Right. You know, and, and that, that becomes a, a kind of running commentary in, in your head. Now, if you've got an entrepreneurial mindset, clearly you do. And certainly I do. Then, as I said earlier, that iteration piece is, is really key to, you know, let's try that, that didn't work, let's do something else. And constantly pivoting, which, you know, we're all kind of being asked at this moment to pivot. But that idea of willing to take chances. I created an acronym a few years ago for the word risk, because that's just what it's all about. It's about taking right. risks. And that's to respect your intention and show courage. Now, it's courage with a K, but nevertheless, <laughs> that's, the, that's the process. Respect your intention. This is what I intend to do. And show courage. Well, let's go do it. And if it don't work, then we'll do something else next. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's because when I, I heard you say that earlier, and I was like, God, that's to, that's totally how people that make things happen. That's what they do. They yeah. give it a shot. They yeah. take a risk, and and oh, okay. Sometimes it doesn't work out, and as a result, we learn. We learn yeah. a, a lesson, and we do something different next time. And the people that's that right. are that play it safe are the ones that that uh, tend to kind of get stagnant in their life and their careers. And, and well, that again, can, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Right, right, right. Because if you're going to stay comfort zone, nothing changes in the comfort zone. Everything is about, well, we just got to keep managing what we're managing. We know where we're at. We don't need to rock the boat here. 
But you and I, we know how to rock the boat because we've pretty much been doing it all our lives. I'll, right. I'll probably bet on that with you, even though I've only known you five minutes, but I would guess that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yeah. I've got fired from more jobs than most people ever have. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's why I worked. And I never time. had any jobs to get fired from because <laughs> I knew I would never fit in. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, hey, so, so like, for instance, in um, when, when, when people are, are learning how to, to, to um, reduce the, the nervousness related to, you know, public speaking anyway, a lot of times that's in real skill development. It's that, you know, the technique that we teach, for instance, is we, we give somebody a, 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 a piece of a skill, right, to kind of practice and master. And then when they have a, the moment that they have that first success, all of a sudden the risk drops down pretty dramatically that they're that they're going to fail. And so once they do it once, it's now easier to do it a second time and a third time. And this, that's the way we learn everything. That's the way we learn how to ride a bicycle. It's the way we learn how to drive a car and that kind of thing. Right. So we kind of teach the, the fear reduction as a, as kind of a, a skill development, getting, changing what we're doing just slightly so that we get totally different results. And the moment that we get that better result, all of a sudden our confidence kind of goes up. Um, is that, is that kind of, is, is do you, do you no kind question. of see that in the type yeah, of, yeah, I mean, the, you know, people come to me and they go, I need more confidence. And how do I get more confidence? And I say, just show up. You know, they don't do about fake right. it till you make it, it's fake it till you believe it. Right. And then one day you'll notice you're doing something and you're no longer nervous about it, you're just doing it, and you're not even thinking about it until suddenly you reflect on it and you go, I don't do that anymore. Great. There's your confidence piece right there. And I know because I had to deal with it myself. Everything that I talk about, everything I, I, I write about, I've been there and done that. I have walked the, the, the talk. Sure. And I know what all this stuff looks and feels like. And it can make you sick. I mean, I remember being in a conference where someone, you know, we're all supposed to stand up and say what, what we're all about, blah, blah, blah. And I stand up and I give my little piece. And he looks over at the podium and he goes, so why are you playing so small? And I'm like, um, well, um, um, you know, and so, of course, this was lack of confidence. Right. You know, this was the, the not having enough belief in myself to be able to carry it forward. And, and hearing people over the years say to me, you have such a big personality. How come you're not playing on a much bigger stage? You know, and I would go, well, you know, it's this, that, and the next thing. But right. bottom line was, I didn't have the confidence to really shoot it out there and, and, you know, let it, let it go wherever it was going to go. But once I did, well, hell, there's no stopping you, you know, off you go. It's great. Cool. So what, what, so what was that first thing that first, um, that, that, that first stepping stone, that first where you, where you kind of went out in that situation and, and things kind of turned around? I think it, it was it was either going to be my my singing or my writing. Um, the first time that I showed up to to sing, what I took a teacher. I was actually in my forties at the time, and I took a teacher. And after a few weeks of of hearing me go through some exercises, she looked at me. She said, "How come you've never sung before?" Right. And, and then hey, let me kind of stop you. Moment. Let me stop yeah. you real quick because that it's it's almost always something like that. It's something very. It seems like something really small from a from a, a coach. You know that that person that 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 influencer is kind of saying, "God, wow, 
how, how come you've never done this? And all of a sudden it opens up that the opportunities in, in our head. And, and I'm assuming yeah. that's kind of what happened with you there, right? Well, that's what happened. And, and then of course you followed it up with, well, it's a good thing you didn't, when you were younger, you probably would have killed yourself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, the Janis Joplin, right. the hell knew, right. you know, um, but, and I saw it again with my writing. Um, I'd always thought I wanted to be a writer from a very early age. I wanted to be a writer, but I didn't have the confidence to really put it out there until I took a class at UCLA. And the teacher, after I wrote my first short story, she said, uh, you've done this before. I said, uh, no, this is my first time around. She was like, and she actually called me at home to tell me this. She said, I'm calling you because I'm reading what you've just written and I think it's pretty amazing. So why are you in my class? And I was like, uh, I really don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and so that became the impetus for writing my first book, which took me 12 years to write, by the way. Oh, wow. Um, Holy cow. Been through a lot of iterations yeah. before I finally settled on the final one. But uh, that was that was a process, an yeah. amazing process. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. So for me, I, I, I kind of waited until the last minute till I needed it. Of course, mine was nonfiction. So, I mean, I, I needed a textbook. It took me like two weeks. <laughs> so, but I, I had to, I was under the gun. I had to, no I had comment on that one. No comment. <laughs> I had sold the contract and I got, Oh my God, I've got to, Ooh, I've got to make this thing. And it, it actually worked out pretty well. So uh, it turned out that, that uh, I, 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 better at it than I thought it was, I guess, anyway, so. Well, I think that was the interesting thing, because once I, the book came out, and I started getting a lot of praise for it, and people right. were going, this book is awesome, and when's the next one coming? And I looked to them, and I went, uh, I don't think the next one's coming. I think this one was all I had in that particular department, but my, my books are always uh, written with a lot of personal narrative in them. I share an awful lot of my own stories uh, because they're stories people can relate to right. uh, and empathize with. And that's that's an important key ingredient of, of the books that I write. It, absolutely. I mean, not only is it important to our writing, but I mean, that's one of the major things that we kind of teach to help when, when we're presenting, you know, that, you know, get that, the, in, insert those examples, those stories that you know from your own personal experience. And guess what? It reduces the nervousness down too. So that fear yeah. and nervousness. Yeah. Hey, one, one of the yeah. things that that you've kind of touched upon, but we haven't really kind of delved into and, and we're want to kind of cover this before we run out of time um, is that uh, the, a lot of times people will come to me and they'll say, Oh, you've got a class called fearless presentations. Does that mean that I'm going to be fearless when I finish taking the class? Well, yeah, on that type of presentation. But if, but what I've kind of found is that if we're not making ourselves nervous, if we're not experiencing that fear, we're not growing. So if you, if you get to a point in anything that you're doing where it's totally comfortable then um, you're you're not growing anymore, and you're going to get stagnant. You're going to get passed passed up, right? So, because I, I noticed that uncomfortable, you know, getting comfortable. What, what was it? What was the saying that you had? So, get comfortable being uncomfortable, right? And comfortable, right? Because so, if we get used to the idea. As entrepreneurs, we're always living on the edge, right? You know, there's, there's always that sense of will this work? Um, you know, you put a lot of time and effort and probably resources into the development of something, and there's no guarantees. And that's life. There are no guarantees in life. So whilst everybody's freaking out right now about all this uncertainty that's around us about COVID and whether it's going away or not going away and how our lives are changing, 
the whole idea of this is look at your priorities and see what really matters to you. Because right now, I guarantee you, the only thing you can say is I guarantee change. And that's life, guaranteeing change. Every day you've got something else going on. Our only reality is what we're dealing with right this second. Everything else is a function of the mind. And it's to do with our thinking and our behavior. And our thinking drives our behavior. And I do a lot of behavioral assessments with the people I work with. Sure. And uh, we can really pinpoint the types of behaviors, granular behaviors that are really getting in your way. So there's a piece for people to think about right there um, in terms of, you know, their comfort levels. As you say, uh, if you're going to be too comfortable, then you're just basically on cruise control. Right. And for you and I, people like us, you know, that's kind of boring. So, you know, we like the edge. I like to say fear is the sharp edge of excitement. And nice. think about that for a moment. Right. Fear is the sharp edge of excitement. Yeah. It is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Feel the fear. Feel the fear. Go do it. Right. Hey, so if somebody wants to uh, kind of get in touch with you or, or um, I, I know you, you have uh, workshops and, and you've got a, a fantastic website and you got the new book coming out. So how do, how do folks get in touch with you, Jacqueline? So if they uh, want to get in touch with me, they can go to the website at uh, the fearless factor at work. And remember the word, the, the fearless factor at work.com. <laughs> And on there, they can also download an excerpt from my book on fear. Oh, so sweet. it will give you the flow down on what fear is all about and how to think about getting beyond it. So nice. this will play very well for your audience and oh, what they're great. interested in. And then, of course, my book is available on Amazon and uh, everything else is, is on the website. So right. I welcome people to come and say hi. Oh, fantastic. Good deal. Great. And, I, and I'll link to that in the, the show notes so that uh, everybody can kind of get to that really easy. You don't have to, if you're driving or listening while you're jogging, you don't have to go and try to find some place to write that down. It'll be in the show notes and so you just click the link. All right. Well, yeah. Jacqueline, thanks a lot for being a part of the Fearless Presentations podcast. Hope, um, hope you guys enjoyed it and uh, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, y'all. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.